Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to damascusroadonline.com. The eagerness, I love it. We're going to just jump in because we, we, we're heading toward our packing party. There's also um, something, I just want to give you a heads up for those of you who like to mentally prepare for something. We're going to dig into the Jesus series. We're going to look at one of these Jesus encounters that he has with uh, a woman. And this is one of those difficult, like, what did he say kind of text this morning. We're going to dig into that. But it's going to lead to Jesus calling out and affirming someone's faith. And you will have an opportunity this morning to call out and affirm someone's faith. Call out and affirm someone's growth in God as they pursue Jesus, as, the, as they allow themselves to be transformed by God. What are you seeing in them? How have you seen them grow? And how could you share that publicly? Right? There's some power in us being able to, um, to affirm one another. It's not just about us. But as we grow in God, what do we see in one another? And we're told to encourage one another, right? So we're headed there. I just wanted to give you a little bit of a cheat, a little bit of a heads up. Uh, That's where we're going. Um, We're going to dig right into uh, Mark 7. This is a special text for me because when I was in college, undergrad, I took a theater and religion course. I had a theater minor, and this was one of those courses where like ministry and theater came together. Um, and one of our assignments was to memorize a chapter in one of the Gospels and then to present that as a monologue to the class. I had Mark 7, um, and I botched it like royally. I, I got into like, I memorized it the night before, and I had it down the night before. I had it down the morning of, but I got up on stage and the lights hit in my class and the prof were looking at me and I like started kind of cycling over and over. And I actually stood on stage for like a minute in silence with my head down trying to figure out. So if you ever get in a position where you're going to memorize a chapter and deliver it, don't memorize it the night before. Okay? But Mark 7 is a really cool chapter. Um, and it's also got this like, to me, one of, the, one of the harder passages in the New Testament. Let's read it, starting in verse 24. We're going to go 24 through 30 in Mark 7. And from there he, that's Jesus, arose and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know, yet he could not be hidden. But immediately a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him, and came and fell down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said to her, For this statement... You may go your way. The demon has left your child. And she went home and found the child lying in the bed and the demon gone. Okay. What what is that conversation all about? Jesus calls her a dog. And we're good with that. Like, this sounds sexist. This could sound racist because Mark is telling us she's a Gentile, she's Syrophoenician. What? What is happening? And it also seems to conflict with everything that we know about Jesus, that he's inviting people to him, that he's gentle, that he's loving. And now he's saying, I need to, I need to give my attention first to the children and not to you dogs. <laughs> what is happening? So what I want to do is I want to dig in and I want to say, God, open our eyes to this encounter and help us see what is going on. So when we back up, the real brief synopsis of this encounter says, a woman comes to Jesus, she asks him to heal her daughter. It seems like he insults her, and then her daughter's healed. She goes home and finds it to be true. What in the world? What can we encounter What is the good news? Because it is, right? This is good news. A woman asks Jesus for her daughter's healing, and he heals her. But it's this, like, 
inside dialogue that's going on, we have to remember this ends with good news. This is good news. So a few observations, okay? I want to dig in. As you study scripture, one of the important things to remember is um, the gospel writers and the New Testament writers, the Bible writers, had a plan in mind as they were mapping out scripture. We believe that the, the Bible is inspired by God, right? It is a divine text. But he didn't put people in a trance to just kind of like, uh, oh, there's my book, okay? I, I just authored the Gospel of Mark. Mark was using his observations. Mark was using his thoughtfulness. He was putting pieces together, and he was saying, how can I best tell my audience what I know about Jesus? So do you know who, who Mark's primary audience was? Nope. Luke was a doctor. Mark, Mark is aiming just at Gentiles, primarily. Matthew's writing to Jews. You get a lot of kingdom, a lot of Jewish stuff. And Matthew doesn't explain Jewish culture because he assumes his Jewish audience knows what's going on. Mark is writing to Gentiles who don't know Jewish culture, right? And so you see in Mark, he'll explain some things along the way. He'll put in like a parenthetical reference and he'll explain, here's what this meant or here's what was going on. He's aiming at a different audience than Matthew. Same Jesus. They're just sharing him to different people and highlighting in different ways. So Mark isn't necessarily all chronological, like this happened and then this happened and then this happened. He's saying, how can I display Jesus in all his glory so that people can understand and encounter him? Okay, So he's talking to a Gentile audience. Gentile just meant not Jew. right? Jews and Gentiles, they weren't part of the Old Testament chosen people of God. They were outside. And Mark is talking about how Jesus came for them too. So the Gentile audience is now paying attention to Jesus. Second, second observation. If we back up in the chapter and we look at all of chapter 7, we don't just take this encounter and pull it out of context. If we look at the context of all of chapter 7, we can see a theme emerging. So Mark is writing to help his audience know Jesus, and he plans the flow of the gospel with a purpose. So Mark 7, verses 1 through 8, I just want to read that real quick, fly through that so you can see what's going on. Mark 7 begins, Now when the Pharisees gathered to him, to Jesus, and some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of Jesus' disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. Mark is explaining it. What's defiled mean? Like They didn't wash. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly holding to the, to the traditions of elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. Can you hear Mark explaining to his audience why the Pharisees do these things, right? And the Pharisees and the scribe asked Jesus, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And he said to them, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you, hypocrites, as it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. So there's this word defiled. They had all kinds of rules for what it meant to be clean and unclean, and that was a way of being acceptable or unacceptable to God. If you were clean, God would find you acceptable. If you were unclean, unacceptable could not stand before God. In verse 3, Mark, again, explains the Pharisees' actions to his audience. In verse 5, the Pharisees ask Jesus why his disciples don't wash like they do. Why don't they hold to the tradition of the elders? We do that. We do that really well, and we teach that you ought to observe that. And your disciple, like, you're a teacher. You should be telling them to observe these things. Why don't they? And then Jesus calls them hypocrites. The word hypocrite literally means actor, like you're on stage. 
Like you're representing a different character than who you really are, right? He had this word for the Pharisees a lot of times. In other places, he called them whitewashed tombs. Like, you look real pretty on the inside, but inside it's all death. Like, you're rotting on the inside. Or cups. Like, you wash the outside of the cup, you might want to pay attention to the inside of the cup too. Because if you wash a really filthy cup on the inside, but outside it looks all shiny, are you really getting what you want? Right? And so he's challenging them over and over and over. And he quotes the Old Testament prophet Isaiah, who they would know, who they would have memorized, and says it's a slap in the face to the Pharisees who had given their life to observe the rules and traditions. And he says, hypocrites, you're honoring me with your mouth, but your heart is far from me. And I'm going to call you out. Jesus says they're following the rules of men, not the heart of God. Right? They had set up a system whereby if you followed these rules, not even given by God, but given by people and tradition, if you follow these things, then we'll say God will approve of you. And Jesus says, that is not, that is not okay. I need to call you out on that. That's big. The supposedly most clean of the clean people. So Israel was chosen by God and considered clean, right? The most clean, apparently, of uh, that culture were the Pharisees. And Jesus is calling them out as hypocrites. Mark is showing us that what has been expected is very, very different from the heart of God, right? That's the end of scene one. Jesus calls out the Pharisees. Then Mark goes on and he shows us a second encounter. This one moves from the Pharisees into the people at large, but then kind of a second follow-up conversation with his disciples. And you can see they're not really quite yet getting it. Mark 7, 14 to 22. Jesus called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him or make him unclean, unacceptable to God. But the things that come out of a person are what defile them. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, then are you also without understanding? You're like, you guys, you're not getting it yet, right? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from the outside cannot defile him? since it enters not his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled. <laughs> Jesus does like a digestive tract science lesson, right? You eat something, it goes through, and it passes, right? It doesn't hang on. It doesn't stay with you. That doesn't make you unclean. And Mark says, it, the parenthetical reference here, thus, he declared all foods clean. The Old Testament had a set of rules to say, these foods you can eat and these foods you can't. And Jesus comes along and says, that was for then and this is for now. Eat whatever you want. Food doesn't make you unclean. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. You guys are paying attention to what you eat or don't eat and following these rules set up by traditions of people who go, and you got all kinds of junk in you. This, this kind of junk does make you unclean. It does defile you. It does put a separation between you and God. It does. Don't worry about this stuff. You ought to have your mind on what really counts. How's your heart doing? What's going on? They observed all kinds of dietary rules. And Jesus says, I want you to pay attention to your heart. His disciples don't get it. And he's explaining it to them over and over. So Mark has Jesus talking with the Pharisees, that's scene one, and he calls them hypocrites, the ones who had the reputation for being the most clean, 
are not. The ones who had the reputation for being most right with God are not. And then Mark moves to the second scene with his disciples, explaining further that God, uh, walking with God, standing with God, doesn't come by following rules. We've got to deal with the evil within. And now, Mark gives us a picture of Jesus in action. So here are these two teachings. Here are these two dialogues. And now Mark gives us a picture of this in motion. Jesus goes to a Gentile region. Gentiles are clean or unclean? Recognized as unclean, right? His first step is solitude. Like, enter into the scene, and Jesus first says, he goes into the house, like he, he finds a place where he can stay, and he just wants some quiet time. He just wants to, like, to de- decompress and be alone. But, says he can't stay that way for long. He gets found out. Like, people want to get with him. And so that time ends, his solitude ends, word spreads that he's there, and a woman comes, falls at his feet, and begs him to heal her daughter. Now, culturally, she's got at least four things working against her. Her gender, her ethnicity, her daughter's illness, and where she lives. She's a woman. Culturally, men were considered superior women were considered not as significant. And so for a woman to come and address a rabbi was breaking cultural norm, was breaking cultural rules. And even the disciples at that time would have expected Jesus to kind of push the woman away or not totally regard the woman. And Mark is showing us Jesus has a different agenda, right? Jesus is not following that norm. The second is she's a Gentile. She's just seen, and what people have grown up with, Jesus' disciples know, is Gentiles are unclean. So you have an unclean person, an unclean woman, coming to Jesus. That's less of a reason even that he would regard her, right? She's a woman, now she's a Gentile, unclean, insignificant. Third, her daughter is possessed by an evil spirit. Now, this was seen as a consequence for sin. Spirits don't just come like you must have done something bad. You did something bad, woman, or your daughter did something bad that the spirit would come and possess her. And what kind of spirit does the text say it is? It's an unclean spirit. So do you see a a theme emerging? What is clean? What is unclean? She's a woman. She's a Gentile. She's got an unclean spirit, right? Right? And then where she lives, in Tyre. The disciples would have recognized the people of Tyre as the epitome of unclean. Where the Pharisees were expected to be the clean of the clean, the Gentiles of Tyre would be the unclean of the unclean. Okay, so the contrast that Mark is setting up, they are so not right with God. That's the kind of person who's falling at Jesus' feet. And now comes Jesus' response. He calls out what everyone around him would recognize. He's reading from the script that would have been before him. He came first for the Jews, first for the Jews, and he needed to tend to them first. They were the ones chosen by God. They were clean. And she was recognized by those with him as unclean, like a dog. This was not a term of endearment, right? A dog was not a cute little fluffy pet in the day. A dog was flea-ridden, fly-eaten, mangy mongrel kind of a thing, something you would kick as you walk by. One of the hardest things for kids on, like, international mission trips, when we take kids to Mexico or to different cultures, is... We say, don't pet the dogs. I'm like, oh, but it's so cute. But like, yeah, you see its ears are gone. Flies have eaten it, right? They are dirty. They are not pets. They're strays. You don't know what they've been into. It's not a safe thing. Dogs in this culture are not esteemed like we do. So this wasn't like a, you're a cute pet of a thing. That This is an insult. The script that Jesus has that everybody in the culture would have presented is, 
you are worthy of an insult. But here's the thing, is she doesn't argue it. She doesn't argue against it. She doesn't get defensive. She doesn't build her own case of her own worthiness. She actually seems to accept the fact that she is unworthy. She is unclean. She is not right before God. And she has no right to ask. And yet, she asks. This is humility combined with a knowledge that she is desperate for Jesus. Right? I recognize that I am not okay. I recognize that I am unclean. You can call me what you want. It's true. Right? I'm not going to argue. And there's all kinds of messed up things culturally, uh, racially, like all that's going on. If you just talk to me about me, I know I'm not okay. So throw your worst insults at me. Probably at the end of the day, when I go home, I say worse about myself. That doesn't affect me. But, but I'm, I'm desperate for you, God. I'm desperate for you, Jesus. And if you can heal my daughter, you can insult me as much as you want. I don't care. Make little of me, heal my daughter, and I will be happy. She's throwing herself, her reputation, everything, down and away on behalf of her daughter. And Jesus praises her for it. Oh, that right there. You guys, I want you, I want you to see this. I want you to see her. All the expectations that you have that she's a woman, that she's a Gentile, that this unclean spirit came because of sin, that she lives in Tyre, so she must be the worst of the worst. All of that garbage, that God would regard her as less than all of you, is garbage. It's just trash. I want you to see that she sees clearly that she is a mess, and that I love her, and that I'm here for her. That's what Mark is doing to his audience. We have an expectation for who Jesus came for, what he does, and Mark is saying, I'm going to shift that because that's what Jesus did. He praises her for it. He affirms her faith. You're right that you're not okay, and you're desperate, and that's where I want to meet people. That's where I want to meet people. And Mark, in writing his gospel, uses this woman who goes unnamed as an example for all of us, for every one of us. Every one of us needs Jesus. We are not clean on our own. We can't follow the right rules. We can't stack up good achievements. We can't make ourselves clean. The best thing that we can do is fall at the feet of Jesus and find him meeting us there. Whatever your history, whether it looks really good or really bad, you are in need. You are in the same position, and we all are, as we fall at the feet of Jesus, recognizing our need for him. So, here's the cool part. Jesus affirms her. Jesus says, this is a woman of faith. This is the kind of faith that I'm looking for. I, wanna, I want you all to see it. You don't expect it in her, but I can see it in her, and I want you to see it in her. And her faith and her request, her understood desperation for me, I'm going to meet her there. And he doesn't even go visit her daughter. He just says, your daughter's well. And then she goes home, and it's proven to her, like her daughter's well. Jesus affirms her faith. He calls it out publicly, and he writes a different kind of story with who he is and with how people come to him. And that's happening at DR these days, too. That's happening in us. People are growing in faith. People are coming to recognize where they are, how they're not okay just on their own. And as we surrender ourselves more and more to Jesus, he's transforming us. He's growing us. There are things in us now that were not here two years ago, individually and 
corporately as a church. And we, we ought to put ourselves in position where we can see that. So I want to invite Kevin up right now. Uh, Kevin Fountain is an elder here. If you don't know Kevin, uh, it's kind of hard to get to know him. But um, like fantastic to get to, to get to know this guy's heart. Um, this guy's a giant. So I'm going to invite him just to share about stuff going on at DR and how we can, in, he's going to invite you then to see affirmation, to see growth, and to call it out in people here. All right. Whoa. Okay. Um, so this is going to be a little bit of a clunky transition probably, but hopefully we'll come around and this will all make sense in a little bit. But um, first off, as Shannon mentioned, I'm an elder here at DR. Specifically, I'm the treasurer, so uh, I'm the money guy. And as most of you that have been around, we've been talking about money a fair bit since January. Um, for those of you that, that haven't or whatever, just as an update, Back going into this year, we knew we were coming into the year with a, a monthly deficit, right? What we were bringing in wasn't going to match up with what we were putting out, but we had a, a fair amount of money in the bank, and we wanted to be faithful with that and see how God would show up. And, and we talked about um, we were going to continue business as usual until we got if, when, if we got to 25 grand in the bank, we would have some significant cuts to make, right? Some staffing cuts some cuts in our corporate generosity that we would, we would need to do. Now, when we started bringing that up at the beginning of the year, we thought that might come in like springtime. Um, here we are in November. That hasn't happened yet. But just to be totally transparent and give an update, we're getting close. So it's been great that we didn't have to do that in the spring, and we've been sustaining, and things have been happening. And we get here to the end of November, and honestly, it's probably going to be pretty close at the end of this month, whether or not we break that $25,000 threshold or not. Um, I think there's a good chance we won't. Um, hard to say. We've got a week left. We'll see how it goes. Um, with that said, over the last couple months, we've had significant one-off giving that isn't the type of giving that happens every month, right? When I look ahead in December, I don't know that there's any more of that to come. That doesn't mean there isn't, but um, so we'll see where we end up this month and going into December, um, just frankly and to be transparent, it looks like we might be bumping up it again. But I don't, I don't bring that up for anyone to be fearful. We've been approaching this from the very beginning that we're not going to be fearful, that we're going to um, work with what God gives us. He's faithful to provide. And, and even in all of this, if we think about it, he's been faithful to provide through this. We do have a path to a balanced budget. We've got, um, although these cuts might be tough if we have to do them, we, we've got a plan to take care of people in a, in a way that's loving and they'll be taken care of. So um, all those are good things and things to be thankful for. So um, with that said, that's just kind of the, the update, right? So like I said, I know that's a little clunky just coming after Shannon talking, but Hopefully it makes sense in a little bit. Um, so beyond that update, like I said, we've been talking about this situation for a while. And a couple months back, I can't remember how long, but let's say a couple months, uh, Michael was up here talking about that situation. And he talked about, as we go through this as a body, what, what is God teaching us through this, right? What are we learning from this? And... Um, over the past couple months, a couple things I've been thinking about. And one, the first one is just, I'll admit, terribly cliche, especially since going into the week of Thanksgiving, which I didn't realize was the week when we we're going to do this. But um, so this is just going to sound like every holiday card you're going to see or whatever. But uh, just, I just want to remind everybody that there is a lot to be thankful for in the midst of this, right? Um, if we think about, Historically, DR, for those that have been around since like the East High School days, right? We've changed locations three times. We've changed leaders. It's been um, a lot of transition. There's been a lot of different things that have happened. And quite honestly, I've said it before, there are lots of reasons for DR not to still be here, right? A lot of places would not have made it this long. 
Um, and I just want us to be cognizant of that, like all the ways God has been faithful and brought us to this point. Um, and even just, and, and the way things have shifted just quickly over time, right? 2017 was our best financial year ever, and then two years later we're here. And that's, that's not uh, because of any failures or anything else. I think we've been brave in a lot of ways and doing certain things. Um, I just want to point out that, you know, just two years ago, we were in the best spot ever, and God was providing just like he's providing now, right? We tend to get um, in these tough spots, and uh, we pray a lot and ask God to provide and realize all these ways he's providing. But the truth is, he was providing just the same way back in the 17, right? God hasn't changed. Everything we had then was God's. Everything we have now is God's. So... I know that's super cliche, but um, but that is the truth, and I think we need to recognize it and think about um, just kind of the statement I had that came to mind was, are we as thankful in the good times as we are needy in the difficult times, right? Um, I firmly believe there will be more good times here at DR, and I want us to remember this time when we get to that so we can be even more thankful, okay? So that's... That's the first one. Um, the other thing that I was thinking about after Michael said, hey, what's God teaching us, um, is just through this, how visible it is, all the things God has done in us corporately and individually. Um, like I said, we've been through a lot of transition in the past. For, for those of you that were around back when we had leaders change and different things, there was a lot of freak out going on at different times, right? We're going to run out of a building. There was freak out about that. There was freak out at different times people left, right? And I'm not, I'm not saying that like making fun of us or bad or anything else, but I just want to point out that this time feels different. I feel like there's, we're in the midst of these troubled times, but there's, there's a lot of maturity around it. There's a lot of just frankness and being able to discuss with each other these situations in transparency. Um, and I, I just think that's a big deal. I think that's evidence of the, God, the work God is doing in us to mature us, right, and to bring us peace over this time and being through different transitions. And I think it's important that we point that out, um, not only corporately, but individually as well. So... I mean, honestly, Rebecca and Justin, no one will be impacted by these cuts if we have to make them more than Rebecca and Justin. But, and I can say this because I'm in community with them through the elder team and have been in community with them for some time, that the way they're handling this is amazing. And it's a great witness. And honestly, just from knowing them, I don't think they could have handled this the same way they are now two years ago or three years ago. And once again, that's not, that's only to point out the work God is doing in their lives to mature them and bring them to this point. And um, I'm already a mess as far as where my notes are, so whatever with that. But um, <laughs> I think, uh, you know, in the past we've had, well, and even Crystal, Crystal spoke a few weeks ago, and she talked about, it was uh, the Zacchaeus story, but through that she was talking about at times miracles and at times the way the Holy Spirit really breaks through, right? She talked about when the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus. And all of that is awesome and true, and we should be constantly praying for the Holy Spirit to break through and do big, 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 amazing things, right? In our city, in our church, in us individually. But I think sometimes what gets lost is a lot of times those things do happen. I I don't want to push that to the side. But a lot of times we lose track of what God's doing in us just every day. Um, I left my Bible sitting back there. You can tell I'm really good at this when I just leave my Bible on my chair. Don't do this a lot. Um, let's see here. So in 2 Corinthians 3, verses 16 through 18, it says... But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So I just want to point out that from one degree of glory to another, 
right? Like picture the circle, there's 360 degrees in there. One degree is not very much, right? And this stuff happens slowly and over time. And lots of times we don't recognize that, right? It's the same, I've got little kids, like just the other day, I just feed Naomi and feed her and feed her and feed her, and I don't notice her growing, and one day she walks down the steps and I'm like, oh, you're a little kid, you're not a baby anymore, right? And this stuff just happens, and uh, like for us now, in this financial situation, that causes us to look up, right, and see, oh, Justin and Rebecca aren't who they were two years ago. We as a body aren't who we were 10 years ago. And I just want to point that out because the other thing about this stuff is a lot of times we're not going to recognize it ourselves, right? We need other people to point it out in our lives. I need to tell Naomi, hey, look how you've grown, right? Like, I need to talk to her and tell that. So um, as Shannon talked about, we're going to take some time to do that. Um, a while back, we had kind of open mic for people just to walk up and talk a lot about how the Holy Spirit did break through in their lives or how big things have happened in their lives, right, about their lives personally. But today we want to take a little time for people to just point out, hey, how they've seen those slow, gradual changes in other people's lives and point that out to them, as well as the body itself, right? How have you seen DR change? And that's, one, it's encouraging for those people to hear that. It's encouraging for the body to hear that. But it's also just to point out, hey, God's doing this work and elevate God and shine light on the things God's doing, right? So we're going to do that in a minute. We're going to try it. Um, I guess before, before we do that, all right, finally I get to get rid of this thing. Um, just one more example. And this ties back to finances. Um, so I'm sure most of you have heard the story, um, but just brief synopsis. Back in 2014, DR felt like we did have one of those Holy Spirit breakthrough moments, right? Where we felt very convicted that we needed to start giving away 10% of everything that came in the door. So that's kind of that big moment, right? Where you have that big thought, that big thing happens, that big change. And it was huge, right? In that first year in 14, we gave away that 10%, and that was $33,000, which is awesome. Now, along with that, we said we want to grow each year, like, right, like in this degree-by-degree-by-degree degree by degree way, and increase that giving 1% each year. So, and God's been super, super faithful in that. And to this year, we're at 15%, and despite these financial struggles, we stuck with that 15%. And uh, that original 10%, that was 33 grand one year, that being the breakthrough, this, this kind of idea of the the grind and slow, just daily stuff after that. In the last five years, we've given away 227000 which is crazy. Um, so I just want to call those things out and recognize that. And just, uh, I don't know why I'm crying, just because. Um, but it's really, really cool stuff. And God's doing that in our body, financially, individually, spiritually, and... Uh, so I think we just want to take a time now for to open it up to anyone else that would like to share in that way or around that. Um, and like I said, just as a way of encouraging or just, just giving God glory for what he's done. Yeah, so I'll just invite you up. If you uh, see something in somebody else that God is doing in them that they might not even recognize in themselves, but you've seen growth in them, um, I want to invite you up, and you might feel like, oh, that's the last thing I want to do. You can see that that's not really in the front of Kevin's to-do list, right? Um, and I want to, I want to like call you up if you've got something to share about somebody else. Come on up um, and frame it. And if you can frame it in a way of like, this is how I see God growing in you. Like it's not just like out a boy, out a girl, but out a boy as you follow after Jesus. As you give him freedom to work in you, this is what I see growing. Okay, add a girl that way. Um, so I need a brave first or second. Kevin went first. Full air. Uh, one is Josh, Josh Anspach. So I've known him for, I don't know, nine, ten, I don't know, somewhere in there, somewhere in the last decade. Anyway, I've just uh, grown, uh, I've just loved uh, growing with him and just seeing 
you be able, this is like a Maury Povich, like, or, you know, like, was it Maury Povich? He was like, no, you have to tell it to them. Okay, you have to tell. So now, yeah, I'm just telling you, yeah, I've just really enjoyed watching you grow and then just rise up to be the leader you are, particularly in the Conquer series, and it's just been phenomenal. Um, and then uh, Stephen, I, I, uh, I just wanted to um, say that it's been, yeah, I'm getting emotional. Yeah, it happens, Kevin. It's all good. Dude. Yeah. Uh, no, but I, I just, I love the fact that I've been able to get to know you and then, like, just watching the walls break down. Like, and um, I loved how, um, like, the first time you came over to my house, you are like, you're just really... Um, genuine with where you're feeling or like you're nervous and everything like that and I was like I would never say that I would like keep up the front and got it no I, I'm, I'm not nervous <laughs> and so I really appreciated your genuine approach and just being open uh, to um, letting the people around you love you and to speak into you uh, and to let you know you can you can grab stuff out of my cu my cupboards and help yourself. And he, he had a struggle with that. So that's all good. It's all good. This is the growth that we're talking about. So it's been beautiful. I uh, love you both, brothers. So that's about it. Sure. Um. Hey, I just want to call my brother. He's not here, but anyway. Growing up, he and I had a lot of difficulties together, and I don't want to go into it, but a lot of difficulties. And there was a big chunk of my life where I was convinced he was never going to mature because he didn't want to. But in the last couple of years, I have been astonished and amazed by how much he really has. And I don't even know the full picture because we're not at a place right now where I can be close enough to him to know exactly what's going on. But we can have actual conversations now. And you might not realize how big of a deal that is, but it is a huge deal. We can have actual civil conversations where we both get to speak. They're not very long because I don't want to push it, but they're actual conversations and I am so proud of him and so amazed at what God has done and yeah I've just been so impressed so yeah all right so I have a cold and I don't want to cry so I'll keep it light because that would be a hot mess um but seeing my friend Melissa I cry anyway. Um, just seeing where she was like three years ago and seeing where she is now and leading the women's group and just kind of all in, you know, in her faith and what God has restored in her and just how they've, watching their relationship grow together, the her and God has just been inspirational. <laughs> and I love you. And yeah, that's it. Out of hell. You know, I just, I'm glad I got to know you. I'm glad I got to see just the way that you've dealt with a lot of the struggles in your life. And I've been able to relate to that. You know, yeah, it sucks when you lose it all. You know, it's hard to get back up out of that. But you've been strong, man. And I just see you getting stronger. And I just see the way that you just, you've just been sharpening your aim in life and just everything that you're doing and finding your passion and just the way that you've opened your heart. If you wouldn't have opened your heart to me, you know, I might not have been able to really learn how to open my heart about some of the things that I've been going through. <laughs> 
so I just really appreciate you, man. And I'm really thankful for being able to go through that with you. And I just look forward to being your friend for a long time. Make sure you make it out to the next UFC. I know you got salsa dance and stuff, and, like, you're killing it, man. But, you know, I miss just, you know, hanging out and having a beer with you. So that's it. So I'm Diane. Um, we've lived here about three years. We lived in the Milwaukee area before that and um, moved here. Um, to be closer to the grandkids. And um, I just want to uh, say thank you to everybody uh, for being my family. Um, yeah, I came here and you just, just, uh, just, yeah, you're here. You're, you're with us. And it was, I really, really appreciate it. Um, this is for my husband, Greg. Um, he's not here, so I can say whatever I want. <laughs> but um, just since we've been here, um, it's just been such a huge blessing to see him grow and, um, you know, just have the Lord come in. Um, we went through some stuff uh, about one year ago. He quit his job. He couldn't take it anymore. And... Um, went through a bunch of transition, but by January, he had a better job, and um, we said, okay, now we're going we're gonna to tithe for real, the real tithe, and it has been no problem at all. It's um, just the Lord is just blessing us and blessing us and blessing us, and, and um, just, in, in he's just, just growing, and I'm just so um, grateful for all of you to be a part of that. I appreciate it, so... Hi, I'm Mickey, and I just want to give a thank you to every single one who is sitting here. Um, before I went to the Congo this year, I was actually one of the people that received some of DR's 10th, and um, it kind of came as a shock to me. I was really surprised, but I can't do, like, my work is funded by donations and yeah every single one of you who tithed helped to make that possible so I just want to say thank you I don't generally do this kind of stuff but I felt God pushing me um, I don't know any of you except maybe by a few names or faces but um, my daughter is struggling through a real hard time right now. And she's struggling with what God wants her to do, not to do. But I've seen when she's come to church here that she's listened to the messages, listened to what other people have said. And God has shown her some things, some really hard things that she did not want to hear. But she's, her heart has been open, and she's listened to them. And she's changed her attitude about some things. And I feel like this really difficult thing that she's going through, what Satan has meant for evil, God is using for good. And I think he's causing her to grow, and she will grow so much more. Her children will grow, and her, her as a family will grow. And so I'm just encouraging her to continue to listen what God has to say to her. And for anyone else who's going through a very difficult time, to just remember God is there for them every step of the way. And if Satan has meant it for evil, God will use it for good. I love that. Like the, the word encourage doesn't mean say something nice. Actually, the word encourage means to impart courage, to give courage. And that's, that's happening. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. So this feels a little weird because the two people I want to bring up aren't, neither of them are here today. But um, the first person I want to, just mention is Shana and Spatch, Josh's wife, who um, went through some tough stuff this year. And I'm just really proud of her because first, well, first of all, she didn't let it harden her heart. She opened herself up. 
to the people that love her and was just really transparent about her process um, and where she was at. And I'm just really proud of her for having the courage to do that. And I'm also just really inspired by her because in the midst of the hard times that she went through, what, again, kind of like with, with Rachel, like I think what Satan meant to tear her further apart from the body and further apart from God, it actually brought her closer. And um, as her friend, going through that with her, it was just a special time, and I'm just really proud of her. And the second person is Brenda, who um, I didn't even know a year ago. And it's funny, I just saw yesterday or two days ago on Facebook that we had our friend anniversary, <laughs> And I was like, holy crap, like, I can't believe how... I didn't even know her more than a year ago, and now today she's one of my closest friends. And one of the things that I've just really seen in her is that even a year ago she had a really hard time letting people in. She was very, I don't know, just I am able to go through this on my own and I don't need help, I don't need people. And she's just really embraced family and the concept of friends becoming family and supporting you through things and it just takes a lot of courage to let people see the hard stuff it's really easy to show off all of the good things but it's hard to let people see the tough stuff and she's been doing that and I'm just really proud of her and thankful to know her I wish you were here uh, yeah I just uh, want to talk about um not talk, but about the growth, just, uh, you know, I've seen in, like, uh, the young people that we have, you know, I don't know, with, uh, and also just, like, the student ministry team and just, like, you know, how we've learned to uh, work with each other, you know, and how we, uh, you know, like, even Todd's uh, uh, accepted the fact that I'll correct his British expressions that he uses sometimes, <laughs> you know, and things like that. Um, but also the fact that the, um, especially some of the young uh, men um, will actually, um, you know, will actually listen to me on occasion and stuff like that, but that they're growing up, you know, real, really well, you know, and, uh, you know, that we have community in that and, you know, it's actually strengthening and stuff like that and, um, you know, it does lead to crazy things and uh, nuts stuff, and but it's really cool and um, it's just a blessing to watch them all grow, so... I just have a couple of ladies that I want to speak about. Um, first one is uh, Shelby. Um, I just, I, I don't get to spend that much time with you, but I have just noticed such a genuine leadership and a thoughtful leadership um, that's grown in you over the years and love how God has used that to lead other women and um I believe there's been so much fruit because of your genuine, faithful, thoughtful leadership for them. And so I think it's awesome. And I'm excited to see what else God will do with that. And the other one is Lindy. Um, I'm just super excited to see how you're rising um, up in your confidence and leading us in worship. And I mean, you've been a part of worship for so long and have always been, it's always been great, but it's just so awesome to have you leading the band and have you just stepping out and leading us. So I thank you for that. Um, I also wanted to bring up Shelby. <laughs> um, so being a new mom is like becoming a new person. <laughs> and um, when I had my baby, Shelby had Elida and um, I was really nervous to come to church with my baby because I didn't know <laughs> kind of how to be a mom at church, <laughs> like a new mom. Um, and so I mostly hid out in the mother's room, you know, after I showed up like 40 minutes late and all that. <laughs> and Shelby was always there. <laughs> and sometimes Shelby also rolled up the same time I did. And I felt like affirmed in my like, like, okay, you know, we made it. Like we're here. I can be, I can feel good about that after I've just like argued in my head the whole way here. Like, you know, you're an hour late. You're like, it's 
probably shouldn't go in there. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, so Shelby's just been amazing. And she's always like, you know, I mean, she has, you know, her son too, but she's always like steps ahead of me. So I like to look up to you. <laughs> um, and it's been really great um, just watching you and Elida and giving me kind of that example of how to be a mom <laughs> at church <laughs> and um, just a mom in general. So thanks. So I just want to talk, I mean, there's many people I can talk about, but um, two that I appreciate is Harriet. Um, I've just been so, it's been fun over the last, I think it's been about two years of just getting to know you. And I think the growth maybe for you has just been opening up, but it's just been really fun. Um, Harriet has like so many like complexities to who you are in such beautiful depth of different areas and I just it's been really cool to see that so thank you and then um, I don't know if this is legal but um, my husband Keith I um, he's been doing kids ministry type stuff for like a long long time and I always love it and he always loves when he's asking the kids a question and I answer he's like Karina stop you're not supposed to answer but um, no, it's been really, um, he's always great, very thoughtful when he teaches the kids and really trying to take, you know, what's been given to him and to like rethink it in the context to be able to communicate to them in their way and in their language. So I've always been really impressed by that. But even within the last couple of months, I feel like he's um, really risen up of in being able to communicate the message in a really clear way, I think, of, um, I don't know, I'm not speaking well, but um, but I've just been really impressed um, kind of seeing a new level of communication of the lessons, and yeah, it's been really cool, so thank you. So we've, uh, it's just been a little, difficult for us the past couple of years, different messy relational things that we've had going on. But one beautiful thing about, this has started maybe six months ago or so. When I walk into the door here, there's one person who comes running up to me and says, is Mickey here? And you can see this little girl back here, Joe. she does not leave Mickey's side. She just, she exemplifies the love of Christ so well. And I used to be able to pull my wife close during sermons. Now I have to share her during these sermons. And so, um, Joe, you've, you exemplify the love of Christ and just the excitement that you have to see somebody that you really love. And so I just commend you for that. This is something I didn't want to do. Um, I've been a member of Damascus Road for, I don't know, I can't even count how long. Uh, and I've watched this church, Kevin, which Shannon said is hard to get to know, but I like him. <laughs> been to what's, um, what's the name's house? Cause I was in uh Bible study with him, but the guy I want to holler out most to is Mike. Mike did something for me that I was surprised happened. I'm not a hugger. Mike gives me a hug every time he sees me. And the first time he did it, it was like <clears throat> straight in the combat mode. What are you doing, dude? Yeah. Now, I don't think it's too many guys in here I don't hug. Uh, the other guy I want to talk about is the pastor. I am not a guy that goes out and talks about my problems or talk about issues when I have them. But I've came to him several times with issues that were, to put it 
lightly important or deadly. And he listened to me, and he always gave me not only prayer, but good counsel on how to deal with situations. Uh, he, uh, he's always there, uh, irregardless of what's happening and what's going on. If I see him talking to somebody, I'll stand back and wait. And when he gets time, he'll, oh, Nolan, yeah. And I'll tell him what's going on, and he'll say, let's pray about it. I have learned being here at Damascus Road how not to be so quick as to put Jesus on the shelf all the time and take care of it myself. Uh, that used to be my motto. If you tick me off, hey, I'll stick Jesus on the shelf, dude. We, we can get at it, you know. <laughs> now it's... It's different. I take a step back and say, hey, is it really that important? Is it really worth me going through this? No. Let it go. Exercise from love. Exercise from patience. And for a Vietnam vet, two-time combat vet, that is hard. That is really difficult. Uh, but the other saving grace is I'm 70 years old. Okay. I am an ex-boxer, ex-street thug, and a born-again Christian. I can't do what I used to do. My body tells me that every morning when I get up. You know, my knees say, no. But I still ride motorcycle. I'm still out there. I'm still dealing with people in the streets. But I deal with them from a different standpoint now. I deal with them from, okay, man, how can I help? What can I do for you? Let's look at it in a different light. I tell guys in my club, they get, they get ticked off and, Man, our buses, hey, hold it, hold it. Wait a minute. Let's think about this. Let's talk about this for a second. You know, you go crack that dude's head, you go to jail. Is it that important five years down the line? Are you going to even remember what you argued with him about? Chill. Take it easy. DR has helped me in so many ways, I, I can't even begin to talk about them. Uh, but Shannon asked me a while back to speak, and I told him, no, I ain't no speaker. I ain't getting up here. No. I had a little over 18 years of sobriety, and uh, he wanted to give me a coin, and I said, mm-mm, mm-mm. No. I've thought about it over the last couple of weeks, and I said, you know, that might be a good thing. You know, uh, you're not drinking anymore. You're not messing with drugs. You're walking with Jesus the best you can. I'm still a work in progress. Uh, he's still working with me. Uh, that old saying, you can't teach an old dog new tricks, is wrong. Yeah, you can. <laughs> I know you can because he's teaching me every day. And I just want to say thank you to Damascus Road, the whole church, because y'all always greet me. Y'all always happy to see me. Everybody's got a hug for me. And I just appreciate it. Preach. Wait, oh, come back up here. 
I just happened across an 18-year coin. <laughs> so, I'm so grateful for you, for your, uh, your honesty, the way that you don't hide from your past, but you say Jesus can transform me, and you're a walking transformation, and still in progress. I love that at your age, that you can say, I'm still a work in progress. Jesus is still transforming me. So can I give you 18-year coin, and we celebrate you right now? All right. Well done. That's super fun. All right, I want to invite the worship team up, um, and we'll turn the corner. This is, this is reason to worship, right? When we see God on the move, when we see God in our midst, when we see God growing through people, we can affirm them and we can worship God, right? We give people honor and we give God praise. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to uh, turn to worship right now, and we want to celebrate amazing grace in our midst. Grace that meets us when we come to Jesus and can change a past that was broken. Like the woman who fell at Jesus' feet, who just recognized her desperation from God. And amazing grace along the way. And day by day, amazing grace, like Kevin said, in the spectacular and in the mundane. In the day by day process. So uh, let's go to worship. We're going to celebrate communion. You're invited to come up. Um, it's a way to remember the sacrifice of Jesus, that we would um, receive his body that was given for us and broken for us. And then the cup represents his blood, which is blood, he said, of a new covenant, of a, a promise fulfilled that we couldn't do but a right standing with God that we have only because of Jesus, and he gives it freely. So you're invited to come up and take those elements um, and worship God personally and in song, and we'll conclude the day before our Operation Christmas Child Packing. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for grace in our midst. We thank you for transformation. We thank you for the way that we seek growth in individuals and corporately uh, as a body here. We thank you for affirmations shared today and the way that um, they reveal you at work. Help us to see you at work all the time. Father, we love you and we worship you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.